My name is Amy Sturmer. I am a pharmacist and co-owner with my husband of Medicine Man Bonners Ferry Pharmacy in Bonners Ferry, Idaho. We're an independent retail pharmacy. And we purchased the Rapid Pack RX in July of last year, and it has been a great time saver for us. We were able to cut pharmacist time and tech time in half, even more so in some cases. Um, We've really enjoyed having it. A lot of our patients are telling all their friends and family about the Rapid Pack program, our pouching service. And so we're getting a lot of word of mouth from it. And in a lot of cases, these patients are new patients to us. They're transferring in, which has been a great source of new patients and income to our pharmacy. We're also able to add supplements to their pack um, to help us get the margin on those instead of sending them to other businesses. So that helps us to keep the patient healthy and still get the profits from those supplements. And a lot of the times the patients that are started on our pouching service end up getting a lot of medications discontinued due to their adherence. It's been really nice to see them get healthier and happier and just everything getting easier. Our previous solution wasn't working for us. It took a lot of extra time to uh, both fill the cassettes and verify them. So this has been a huge time saver and we're able to get it done in, in half the time. We're able to get a visual verification which has been really helpful so that if I need to look back on previous pouching history that I can verify everything was done correctly and help the patient through all of that. And we just have a lot of happy patients with it. If you're a pharmacy owner and are interested in increasing profits while helping your patients stay compliant on their medications, reach out to the RxSafe team. Visit rxsafe.com. That's rxsafe.com. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. There was an article put out by Microsoft. It says the next great disruption is hybrid work. Are we ready? And it's really about us all being on the brink of disruption and what that means. I think the word disruption is sometimes overused. Maybe it's used by marketers trying to get people to read uh, what they put out there. But this is truly a disruption of what really work is, what the typical work is that you get in your car, you commute 30, 40, sometimes an hour away to get to your employer. You do your position, you do your job. It could be mission driven. It could be something that you're thinking about getting out of. But regardless, it's still that traditional way of 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 work, of of being involved with an organization that that you're an employee of. And if I'm reaching out there to pharmacists listening right now, we're talking there's 311,000 of you um, that we absolutely adore and what you do for patients every day. Some of you feel stuck. Some of you feel, hey, I'm in a position, I'm in a retail job, I'm in a big box store, don't really like it, I'd like to do something else. There's somebody out there that's touched my life through a book that she authored, um, and we're going to talk about that book, but she came out with an interesting newsletter that came across my desk, because I'm subscribed, a big fan. Uh, This is Dr. 
Ashley Cleveland Hayes, um, who's known as RX Ashley, and you can find all of her content at RX Ashley. That's A S H L E E dot com. Welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation, Ashley. How are you? Thanks, Todd. I'm good. It's fun to be back. I appreciate you welcoming me with wide open arms. Absolutely. You do amazing things for our profession and individuals that become your clients with the direction that you have in place. And I listened to a presentation that you did on Dr. Booth's Farmfluencer uh, group, which was amazing. And you kind of shared your story about how you went from where you were as a, as a practicing pharmacist to becoming a, a coach and a guide uh, for people in their careers. This specific um, newsletter that you sent out called The Great Resignation and how you kind of took uh, other um, information, other posts, uh, it, this, including the one that I referenced from Microsoft, in building the great resignation is propelled by those three specific forces. Mm -hmm. And I want to get into this with you because I think this is extremely timely for what our pharmacists are, are going through uh, right now. So talk to us, let's unpack this and what the great resignation was and, and what you meant by it. Yeah, and first of all, thank you for mentioning the book and having me on. Um, I always have a home here, so it's just, I feel always safe with you, so thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so I send out a weekly newsletter every Sunday morning to a couple thousand people, and um, sometimes what I say really resonates with people in the sense of it's exactly what they need to hear. Sometimes people are like, why did you write about this? It doesn't, you know, it is not relevant to me. And sometimes people go back and ask me to talk more about some of the topics. And the reason why I wrote about the great resignation is because it, like you mentioned, Microsoft came out with this new study that showed over almost, I think it was upwards to 40 to 50% of um, professionals are looking to do a pivot in their career since the pandemic happened. And um, I, I think this was prior to the pandemic too. I, I think, I mean, not the study, but the, but the statistic. I just don't think people were really being honest with themselves or they were taking initiative or taking action to actually follow through with a quit pivot or shift mentality. Um, and I wanted to bring it to light because I think when other people see other people being brave and courageous and taking action for taking radical steps in both their career and their personal life, it inspires other people. And so just like when I talk about, you know, when I give my presentations, I give keynotes all the time. And when I talk about, you know, how my story, my windy path led me to where I am today and how challenging it's been. But um, despite all of that, I think it inspires everyone when you talk about what other people are experiencing and how other people achieved their own unique definition of success. So the reason why I like talking about the great resignation, well, especially in that one, in particular, in that one email and blog and LinkedIn conversation um, is because it's true. We're really evolving right now and there's higher expectations of employers and employees. Um, and it's just, we're in this big era right now, this landscape of newness, uh, new expectations and new career workplace cultures that, people are clinging on to and looking for. Um, so kind of going deeper into that, the change of the economic landscape, the change of the political landscape, the change of, um, you know, millennials really stepping into their professional zone and expecting a better work-life balance or whatever that means, you know, better work-life integration. 
And quite frankly, just because we were remote for, and some of us are still remote. Um, I was remote before the pandemic, but obviously I'm really lucky I get to work from home, but a lot of my clients who work for big companies or small firms or whomever, you know, they never worked from home before. And then all of a sudden they started work from home and they realized like, oh my gosh, I don't have to do the commute or, oh my gosh, I actually ha can have a little bit of flexibility. Although some of my clients or some friends, family, even colleagues, clients, my community, um, they work from home and sometimes don't feel like they have that flexibility. So there's just so many discussions to have with um, administration, leadership, and just the workplace in general about what are these new expectations and what what are we focused on? Are we focused on people management? Are we focused on, of course, outcomes and productivity of employees um, or whoever we're hiring to get the job done? But what does success look like to a company and to an employee? And it's kind of starting to really bubble up right now. I don't think it's a this or that. It's a mixture. And what I mean by that is, is employers are saying, hey, we'd like to return to the traditional way of working. We'd like our staff on premise. We'd yeah. like to have a little bit more control. What I think yeah. I'm realizing is, is just like the power of the consumer, the power of the workforce is now getting the attention of the employers and realizing that they can have both. They can have motivated employees, productive employees, and they can have employees that feel fulfilled in their lives that they're not strapped to a desk or they're not strapped to a premise or to a location, but they can get done what they need to get done. Now, this isn't always the case. In my world, I was in business development since 1996. So I had to be in front of the client and the customers. So I'm still a traveler. I'm still just got back from Dallas with an amazing uh, conference dedicated to community pharmacists called the Profit Summit. And I actually talked about you and this upcoming episode to several of them because they have employees, pharmacy technicians and some pharmacists that they want to encourage them being in a remote location to get out there and see the patients and how important the, um, the provider in front of the patient is and how these house calls are actually going to become a we're going to return to house calls. We're going to have yeah. pharmacists walking into a senior's home or someone's home to actually do a consult and get paid to be there and using a remote EHR system to actually docu document what they're doing. Yeah. Um, they might do a cheek swab for a PGX test while they're there. They might sure. do an immunization while they're there. But this is the coming of this new realm that we're in. And I kind of wanted to dig into those three factors that you mentioned in the post that you put out there, mm -hmm. which is the great resignation is proposed by three forces. I'm going to name those three forces, and then I'd like to review those with you. First is the changing generation, the different expectations and different needs, goals, and desires of those individuals. Number two is the economic crisis that's been brought on by this pandemic. And number three, the realization that people have uh, a different social contract environment, spending more time with family when they work remote and being able to skip the commute. Yeah. Me for one, when I go to the airport, Pittsburgh International, that's an hour and 10 minutes drive one way. If I don't have to make that commute, which I didn't for quite some time when we were in the pandemic and, and the uh, lockdown, I really bonded with, uh, with my Lola my Lola is my nine-year-old and she's in the studio with me. She's actually in the other room in the conference area. 
playing with blocks or Play-Doh or doing something on YouTube or something. But her and I have bonded in a way that I just didn't have that because she comes in for breaks. She comes in for, you know, some questions or someone's at the front door. And it's been so much fun to have that extra time with her, mm-hmm. even though it's not super focused per se, like we do in the evenings after work. But let's go through those three things and let's go through this yeah. with the listeners. Yeah. I mean, I think what you alluded to is two things that really stuck out to me, you know, kind of going into those three points is one power and two control. And it's quite interesting to me how the pendulum, we want the pendulum to swing from one way to the other, but what I think it needs to be is in the middle. I I think the, the historical ways of one person being in power, one person telling the, the employees or employers how it should be, or even a team, a host of administrators or leadership or, you know, physicians or nursing staff or pharmacists, whoever saying, this is how it needs to be. That is, that's probably going to be in the past. It's, it's the power control. It's the, the whole technicalities around you do what I say and I have control over you. It, that whole notion of, um, I own you and you do what I say it's really outdated. It's a really outdated approach. And who ultimately, what ultimately we need to do is empower our people and and, and encourage our people to um, practice at the top of their licensure or to follow their strengths. And I think what we often neglect is the most important part of all this is obviously the customer or the patient. Um, What is best for them is, is not it's not always just what's best for them. It's what's best for everyone. And I think going back to the change of the, of the generations and the younger generation is really voicing that. And it's uncomfortable because it's coming from a younger crowd. And then the economic change is people want more freedom in their financial stability and choices on how they earn income. They want, instead of you know, one, maybe just streamline salary, $50,000 a year or $150,000 a year. You know, some people want ultimate building wealth and they want the freedom of doing what they want with their income and getting paid for what they're actually valued to the organization. And then of course, reclaiming their time and energy is the third point is they, people want to make a choice. They don't want someone telling them how to spend their time and how to do their job. They want the freedom of you've given me this opportunity, you've given me this role, I'll tell you how to do it. You don't tell me. And we need to kind of come in the middle of all of this with employers and employees of not necessarily kumbaya and agreeing and we all friends. I'm not asking for that. I'm saying we got to come in the middle ground. (laughs) There's, you know, with the workplace being, gosh, the most recent statistic of burnout is like atrocious, you know, over 90%. And then all this new discussions around work-life balance and work-life integration and then, you know, managing kids at home, especially during the pandemic. And it's a nightmare right now to be um, doing all of this, managing all of this. So this is why we're seeing the great resignation. People are getting pissed (laughs) that they have one, zero control, two, zero power, no voice, and they're not getting paid. So it's time. The reason why I share this stuff is because 
one, you need to know that you're not alone in your thoughts. And two, like you have to do something about it. That's kind of why I do what I do is because I teach people how to articulate their value and not necessarily demand, demand anything, but in order to have the risk, quote unquote, respect or delivery or, you know, power, whatever, whatever verb you want to say, or adjective you want to describe, people want to know that they are in control and that they have a voice. And so that's why I do what I do is to empower the people that I work with that, yeah, you want control. Yeah. You want power, but you have to know how to communicate that because without communication, there's essentially nothing. Very true. You and I um, are in, you know, similar backgrounds with regards to how we grew our passions into permanent, um, you know, income sources for our families and taking care of our families and our, our careers and jumping off the cliff for me in 2019 from having a, an extremely amazing career with new season and addiction, um, uh, you know, facility medication management where I met with pharmacists to go through comorbidity and inserting them into treatment plans. I mean, I love that job. I love that job. But I knew that I could never grow this publication unless I went full time. Mm -hmm. And you went through that same thing and knowing yeah. that you'd never be able to grow RX Ashley unless you went all in. Could you ever go back? Like, <laughs> you know, what? I think that's the blessing of being a pharmacist is um I'm a third generation pharmacist. I grew up at a front row seat to pharmacy. I've never disliked pharmacy. I've, I've never um, had really ill negative vibes towards the profession. I, I mean, honestly, never. I, I, now there are things that I could probably not see myself doing. Uh, it's probably not my area of expertise or my strengths. Hmm. Um, However, I, I don't know. I, I think that being nimble and who freaking knows what's going to happen. And that's why I think it's a blessing to be a pharmacist is because you can use your skill sets in so many different capacities. Yep. Now, you know, do I think I'm ever going to be like a bedside pharmacist again? I don't know. There's a lot of new grads that are like probably way smarter than me and can outpace me. But do I think if I was put in a situation where I had to, of course I would do it. I mean, uh, of course I have a family. I, I, I have a mortgage. I, I have to do what I got to do, but um, I think my strengths are showing in our actually. <laughs> so um, I don't see myself right now going into that direction, but honestly, if I found something that I thought that I could solve a problem for and it was the right experience and it was the right time, then I don't know. Of course I would consider it, but I'm happy doing what I'm doing now. So <laughs> yes. I, hope that, I hope that's uh, okay to say. Absolutely. The surge is coming 311,000 plus active pharmacists throughout the country. And we're preparing for the next, you know, two to five years where I, in my opinion, and I've said this on several episodes, I'm going to continue to say it because I want to look back in two to five years to see where we are. But I think more than 10% of our entire workforce as pharmacists will be in entrepreneurial consultative uh, roles where they yeah. are out there with primary care. Sure. They're out there with functional medicine. They're out there with PGX and, and what they're doing in the, in the community. And I think right. that we're going to see an expansion. We're also going to see 
the evolution of the community independent pharmacy, tapping into the things that RX Ashley talks about and putting that, those work study and that, that employee study into their own, you know, houses and homes so that they can ensure that their, their staff feels empowered and that they feel part of the organization and they feel mission driven. And um, that's all part of this. So I think there's more than just the individual consult that you're doing for your clients. I think there are other people and other organizations who are listening to this podcast right now who might not understand what RX Ashley has done that need to pay attention to what you're doing because it could really infiltrate their own little, um, not little, but their own businesses. Uh, Some of these people are micro chains where they have 10, 20, 30 pharmacies that are working and they want to create that family environment. So I think this is a good education for, for everyone. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think we need to be mindful on a few things. One, on you know, entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. Um, I don't think everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. I don't think everyone's, not to say not cut out, I don't think that's the, I don't think that is the issue. I think it's, it's you know, the, the definition of entrepreneur is a risk taker. So I'm not sure everyone's in it to do that. Um, I'm not encouraging people that the only way to succeed is if you, you know, follow the entrepreneurial path. I don't think that's true. Um, the next thing is, is the, the family oriented organization is, God, I don't want to say a myth, but I kind of feel like it's a little bit of a myth because families are um, not perfect. <laughs> so I think what we need to instill is respect and empowerment and uh, giving our employees and employers and leadership and and everyone who trickles in the organization autonomy and support and education and training and safe places to be themselves. And honestly, it's just really about finding the empowerment within one another and knowing that no one has control. This isn't a control game. This is how can we make this work given the limitations that we're given, especially in the community pharmacy. I mean, I'm kind of out of, honestly, I'm, I work with pharmacists, but, and I'm not in the weeds of community pharmacy anymore, but I know what those independent pharmacists are up against. I mean, I know what the, the pharmacists who work for chain pharmacies are up against. I know what hospital pharmacists are up against. It is tough. It's tough. So meeting metrics, you know, being underemployed in an academic medical center. It is hard. I did that. I've lived that. Um, and it's very challenging. So we have to come to the table and lose control, honestly, just like everyone needs to take off their power hats and communicate with one another of, okay, you do this. You're really good at this. You bring this value. And that's where I think we can kind of all win and let go of old patterns and old habits. And, you know, what got us here isn't going to get us to the next place. Correct. Because we just went through a freaking pandemic. Like we're not going to be the same and we need to stop playing the same rules. I just had someone yesterday tell me that they're so uncomfortable with, um, 
you know, having to talk to patients over Zoom. And yeah, I get it. I, I mean, I know it's not the most quote unquote ideal situation. Of course, we want to be touching each other, sitting next to each other, or like, you know, palpating if that's what you need to do, whatever, listening to one another, being in person. I understand that there is this person human dynamic. But at the same time, when we're already understaffed and we're already pushed against so many and pulled in so many different directions, what, what, what are we going to do? I mean, kind of setting yourself up for failure no matter what. The block and tackle of the great resignation was put uh, into uh, a trend in the seven that were mentioned. I'd like to discuss these with you because it really makes it more of a data-driven phenomena that's real mm -hmm. uh, rather than opinion. And right. I like being able to back up our opinions and our passion with data because now these trends make sense. So flexible work is here to stay. Uh, number one, number two, leaders are out of touch with employees and need a wake up call. Yeah. Number three, high productivity is masking an exhausted workforce. Goodness yeah. gracious. Uh, number four, Gen Z is at risk and will need to be re-energized. Uh, number five, shrinking networks are endangering innovation. Goodness gracious, yes. Uh, number six, authenticity will spur productivity and well-being. And number seven, talent is everywhere in a hybrid world. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, if I'm an employer, Ashley, and I'm listening to this and, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, there, there's something to this. Uh, I would dig into, you know, your, your posting in your article. I might even reach out to you and say, is there an opportunity to talk with you to put some guidelines in place of how we communicate this to our employees to be a lot more involving of them in the greater mission of the organization? Yeah. I mean, I think that's leadership development 101. You know, I think I come from my most majority of my clients are employees or they work for someone else, but it is because I feel like sometimes they feel they don't have empowerment. They're not, they don't know how to use their voice because everyone has a voice. But what I've been realizing over the past six months is more and more CEOs and leaders are reaching out to me, asking me how they can help their employees too. So it's yeah. quite a gift. It's, it's, it's a blessing to be on both sides because I, I, I'm not here to stand up for the employee. That's not my, I, my goal isn't to bring it, bring, bring it, stick them to them and bring them down. No, I'm here to serve people and professionals on how to communicate their expertise and get the outcomes and the goals that they desire. Because the reality is, is when they are successful in their goals, that means, and for majority of my clients, you know, patients are winning too. Exactly. And I, last I checked, that's why we all went into this, right? <laughs> I mean, that's why I went into pharmacies to help people. And that's majority of my clients, even if they're not in healthcare, um, everyone's, from my client's perspective, all my clients are there to just help and to do their job and they want to be effective, but they just need the tools on how to do that. Today's episode is brought to you by Influential Dad Empowered Daughter, which is the book that um, Ashley was, was inspired to write and was in the making since her and her father connected in a way that I, I desire to be connected with my four daughters. And I am you know, intermittently with them, but this, this book has helped me to kind of realign and realize that I have an opportunity to make an influence even on my 19-year-old 
who's entering in a, di a different phase of her life, the same that I have an opportunity to impact Lola, who's my nine-year-old. But this is a really special book that um, that just has kind of uh, kind of re reset me as a dad of daughters, and mm -hmm. and it's amazing that that you were um, that you were inspired to write this. Can you uh, talk to us about about today's uh, sponsor um, in this book, Ashley? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I was in my second year of pharmacy school. My dad very suddenly passed away. It was a terrible tragedy in our life. Obviously, if you know if you've experienced any form of loss or grief, it's just a roller coaster to navigate. And I, you know, one of the last conversations I had with my dad was, you know, you need you need to write down all this stuff that we've been through together, and you need to talk about what it's like to have a good relationship with with a dad and. I was like, okay, dad, whatever, you know, like, you know, I was young. <laughs> no, well, come to find out, you know, fast forward just a few weeks and my dad suddenly passed away. And for 10 years, I just kind of pushed everything off to the side. It was just always, I was always thinking about it, but finally, you know, I put, started putting pen to paper and I realized no one kind of wants to hear about the stories that my dad and I had. That's kind of boring. I mean, I think maybe my family might, they might think it's funny or, you know, my, my mom or my siblings, they might think it's, oh yeah, good memories. So instead of me talking, like writing a book about my dad and the influence he had on me, I wrote a book for dads, especially girl dads on how to become influential on them. And because of the work I've done over the past several years, working with majority women, professional woman, I see what they experience on a day in and day out level. And so my goal in writing the book is teaching dads how to provide their daughters tools of empowerment and tools of how to use their voice. So it really was a coaching book from me to dad, but it was, it's, it's more of a book of how to create a positive influence in your daughter's life, because I think dads don't realize the opportunity that they have. And because I had an influential, very influential, positive big father figure, I think, honestly, I think I got lucky. I got ahead and I'm, and I just want to teach that. I want to spread that to other people. And so they can have the same experience, if not better than I did. That's very special. There will be a link <laughs> in the show notes to the Amazon um, access to that, as well as to the, um, to the book um, passage, which is on rxashley.com forward slash dad book. Um, how has this book impacted your daughter and your husband? Um, I, I've never, I've never heard about that side of it, but I'm, I'm sure there's, there's something to this. Yeah, I think poor Chris and my husband probably puts a lot of pressure on him. Um, but he said that he learned a lot from the book, and you know, it's just interesting. Just, just he. I think what he learned was more about like why I do what I do and, and the capacity of what I like the impact that, you know, Chris and I are making and, and Arx Ashley too. Um, Chris is, we're very different. You know, Chris is, I'm more of the vocalist <laughs> and Chris is a little bit more passive than me. If you can imagine, obviously it's not hard to say. Um, it's not hard to tell if you know us, but I think he also kind of got a light bulb of, oh my gosh, it's, it's so much more than just being a provider or for providing a safe space for my daughter. It's about getting on her level. I, he, I think that's what he took away. We'll have to ask him personally what he took away from the book. I mean, that's a good dinner conversation, yes. um, maybe over cocktails, but, um, 
I, I think personally what the book has done is it allowed me to really step into more of myself too. Um, I think I feel like I have a purpose in this world and I want to write a bunch more books. And I find that the more you exercise and the more you push yourself to do challenging things like writing a book or doing a presentation or launching a side gig or whatever it is you want to do, the great, the great resignation is here. And the more courageous you are at trying to do those things, the more you get confidence in, in stepping forward into really your purpose. That's awesome. <laughs> As you alluded, and we believe in you, you will always have a home here at the Pharmacy Podcast Nation and Network. And I'm so proud of what you've done um, as a pharmacist, as a mother, as a wife, as a leader in in this. And and I like in the book, in one of the the very first couple pages, is you you take away the pressure that a dad may feel just reading the the, the title and basically telling all dads. This is for any father of where you are, including fathers of stepchildren, um, fathers of, you know, um, godfathers that you yeah. mentioned, you know, people that aren't necessarily the biological dad and what impact that they can have on, you know, on their daughters, on their, on their loved one, right. on their nieces, on their. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of moms play both the mom and dad. Yep. And my mom sure does that now that my dad passed away. So I think single moms, next door neighbor dads, uh, uncles, you know, it's, it's really a book about influencing, creating influence, but I wrote it for girl dads because that was my experience. And, um, I think that, you know, obviously with girl dad, the hashtag girl dad and Kobe Bryant just passing away. It's just this whole momentum right now and momentum loves speed. So I was like, I gotta do something. Now is the time I gotta stop pushing this off. And I did it. Awesome. Well, like I said, we want to have you back um, on a cyclical basis to just update our network with what's happening, not only in your life, but in your coaching and the influence and the domino effect that you're having on not only the pharmacy industry, but the people that you touch and the lives that you're impacting. But I just want to thank you so much, Ashley, for being here today. 